Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. And as you're finishing up clapping, turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you look great today. You look great today, especially if you're sitting next to your mom or who you came with. You look great today. And we're going to jump right into it uh, this morning. Did you want to greet everyone and this amazing floral outfit today? Hello. I thought I'd go subtle um, on this Mother's Day. (laughs) Yes. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, all you moms. A big shout out also to my mom who's here holding it down with Teddy back there. Uh, Yeah. So many things (laughs) that I've learned from her that's made me a strong woman. So I'm excited to be up here talking about it. She's holding up Teddy, so she's getting strong right now. It's like 30 pounds of dead weight right there. Um, But really, we've been, we introed these talks last week, and we, it's all building out of this one verse from the book of Psalms. If you want to throw it up on the screen for me, this verse is powerful, and I believe it can speak to you today. From Psalm 34, 4 and 5 and 8, it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now, I want to focus on that first line. Number one, it's a promise. How many of you have ever asked this question, and I'll raise my hand with you, does God hear me when I pray? Right? Anybody? Okay. All right. We got some super Christians out there who are just, I've never had that issue, Pastor Ryan. Okay, so get on my level. Well, for us normal people, like sometimes we have that question. Like we're seeking God, we're worshiping him. Is this doing anything? Well, this promises us that, what does it say? I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me, past tense. It's been done already from all my fears. And those who what? Look to him are radiant. What a great compliment for someone in your life today. Honey, you are so radiant this morning. That sounds nice. Their faces are never covered with shame. Maybe you're dealing with some sort of shame today that people know about, or maybe it's very private. I want you to find freedom today. Why? Because you can taste and see that God is good, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. What is this verse saying, essentially? That, hey, when you go to God, you will get all those victorious things of protection, of radiance, of freedom of a new life that he's given you, and you can step into that victory today. And today's conversation, the title is A Victory Mindset. A Victory Mindset. Now, for some of us, it's important for us to realize that what goes on up here affects what goes on out here. Think of it this way, if you want to write it down, I've written this down in my journal hundreds of times, is that my life moves in the direction of my strongest thoughts. My life moves in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And so today, when you leave this room, I want you to not have a victim mindset anymore to your mental health or just what's been done to you or happened to you. I don't want you to have a negative mindset anymore that's always focused on problems and issues and what you don't have. I want you to walk out today, it's the heart of Adrian and I, that you would walk out of local city this morning with a victory mindset, confident in who you are, in Jesus, confident in the amount of love that God has for you and your family today. And it's a promise. Here's what it says in Colossians chapter three, verse one through two. It says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Jesus sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Okay, right now, everyone, close your eyes, take a deep breath. If you're thinking about anything other than heaven right now, get rid of it. Just flush it out of there, squeeze it out, 
and think about the things of heaven today because that's what we're going to talk about. And let's pray and jump into this message, and I pray that you would open your hearts this morning. Adrian, would you pray for us as we step into our conversation? Yeah. God, we thank you that you're in this room. God, we thank you that it's no mistake that today is Mother's Day, and maybe people weren't usually coming to local city, but they're here in the room for a purpose. Yes. God, it's not by accident that we're walking through these talks on Mother's Day either. Lord, you know the weight and the mindset um, in the room and you have a word to speak to us today. So God, we just pray that Ryan and I get out of the way and Lord, let your word go forth and fill us with life. You are the good shepherd and you are restoring souls today. So we give it to you in Jesus name. Amen. So, so I love this promise and I would encourage you to circle that word on your notes since like it's happened. You've been raised to new life with Jesus. Now for us, we've experienced some new life in our marriage over the last five years. Here's a picture of some of the new life that we have in our family. So if you want to turn around, Adrian, you want to introduce people to, oh, you can see it down oh, there. I Who, can see it down who's there. in that picture? Wow, Who are those two little guys? Big head of me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so our biggest one here is Shepard. He is the life of every party that has ever existed. He's a leader. He is incredible, and we're so proud to be his parents. And then the little chunky next to him is Teddy, um, and he is just taking life one milk at a time. But he is already so strong and yes. so sweet, and we couldn't be prouder of these boys. So our life has changed after we've had kids. Can I get a big amen if your parents in here and you understand that, right? So after new life steps in, change happens. And so what this verse says is since Jesus has been raised to new life, here's how you should live. Yeah. Number one, set your sights on the realities of heaven. My strongest thoughts will show where my life goes, right? When you took a driver's ed class in high school, if you took that, chances are one of the first lessons, or maybe it's so well known you didn't even have to learn it, the driver's ed teacher said, hey, you're supposed to look out the front windshield, not the side window, not the side windows, not the rear, the rear window. You're supposed to look out the front, hands at 10 and 2 the entire time, right? But in our life, we can begin to get focused on the exact opposite of things. We look at who's next to us. Who's doing better than we are? Who has more than us? Who's ha who has the life on social media that we've always wanted? Or, you know, who's worse off so I can feel better about myself, right? Who's that, what's in the back? What's my past that I'm still thinking about over and over and over again? I've used this example countless times and I'll continue to use it. When you get in your car to go to lunch today after service, remember that your rearview mirror is way smaller than your windshield. It's not the opposite, but we live our life that way. We look so much on the past and what we've done and what's happened to us, whether it was good or bad, and we forget there's so much life out in front of us. And that's actually what prevents accidents and problems is keeping our sights above on the realities of what's coming, on the realities of where? Heaven. Let me just remind you, we are a citizen of heaven. And so Jesus, when he, when he went to the cross, obviously we talked about on Easter season how he died and he was buried for three days, but after three days he walked out of that grave alive. And he lived his life as if he had just conquered death and the grave. He didn't live like everyone else. So there's this moment, and I'm excited for this because this is what the future's promised to us when it comes to the realities of heaven. When all the disciples are sitting around in fear, literally hiding inside their house because the Romans want to kill them, they're just sitting there complaining, whining, and Jesus like walks through some walls and poof, pops in the room. And they're like, ah! And Jesus is like, hey, chill. 
Now, I gotta be with the disciples on this moment because if I'm sitting in my house and I'm locked in and I'm afraid and somebody just pops in out of nowhere, walks through the wall, I'm gonna have a little scream too, okay? I freak out easily. I'm easily spooked, right? I've been scared by shepherd's balloons that we get for them many times in the middle of the night walking through the house thinking it's a person, right? But, but what does Jesus do? He, he lives with the power that he's been given since he's been raised to new life. Like not to show off, but to show up in the disciples' lives to let them know, hey, I'm alive, you don't have to be afraid anymore. So if I've been raised to new life, what's my victory mindset? I have power that's available to me. I have new power in my life. The second thing he did is he didn't live life isolated. He didn't live life alone. He stepped right back into his community. When I've been raised to new life, a victory mindset, remember, is that there's no fun celebrating a victory alone. What do you think, when we sing all hail King Jesus, what are we doing? celebrating the victory that we have together as a community. If you feel alone today or isolated, I want to encourage you, you're not. You're here in this place, and God has something for you. And again, the new life that Jesus had, he began to live out his mission. Why was he here? To continue this good news message of that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to save the world, forgive them, and free them. And today, disciples, when he pops in that room, he says, you gotta keep telling people about this because 2,000 years later, there's gonna be some people gathered on a Sunday morning, Mother's Day at local city who need to be, who need to be reminded that they have a victory mindset. They have a victory over sin and yeah. death and the grave, and they can walk alive today. Come on, local city, I need you to wake up a little bit and give some shout of thanks for that today. If it's your first time, I get excited and you can be contagious with that excitement from the seats. Now here's the the, the sermon in a sentence, if you will, is I believe today, write this down, that you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. And that's what Jesus was trying to show the disciples. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Like, what are you doing here? I just walked out of the grave alive. You don't have to be locked up in this house afraid. And I, for some of us, we're locked in our minds afraid afraid of healing. We're afraid of what God can do in our life when we really surrender to him. We're afraid of what it means to truly let go and let God. You know, a few minutes ago we were worshiping, and my fear on Sundays is that some of us worship, but we don't fully abandon everything else and just let God let be God in those moments. If I can sum it down even more for you, you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. Here's an even shorter way to think about it, and I say this to myself all the time, is that choices lead and feelings follow. Choices lead, and feelings follow. See, your thoughts have incredible power. That's just the truth. And don't hear what I'm saying today where this is like some feel-good message about think it and it's gonna happen. It's not what I'm saying. And we're gonna get to that in a moment. But what I am saying is God has given us an intentional, powerful thought process to choose up here. And everything else should follow that. So your thoughts have incredible power, and you have incredible power over your thoughts. Yeah, unpacking what we're talking about with, with this story of the disciples and Jesus coming and stepping into that. Can you imagine being the disciples? You've just seen Jesus, the Messiah, the one that you thought was going to come and completely turn politics on its head, you know, mm-hmm. put you up in, the, in, in status and in social life, <laughs> yes. and he's gone. And so your brain is going down the rabbit hole. One of the reasons I'm up here talking today is because I've dealt with so much anxiety my entire life. Um, And really God's freed me in a lot of ways from that. But when you have somebody who has an anxiety mindset, you tend to go to the worst case scenario, yeah? Can anybody relate? 
You're sitting there in your room and you're ruminating and you're ruminating and you're like, I know how this is going to go. This is going to happen and it's going to lead to this, which is going to lead to this. And this is the doom to come. I already know it. (laughs) You, you've become a, the premier expert on what terrible thing is about to happen to you. And it hasn't even (laughs) happened. I've been there. I struggle with it currently, but through anxiety, I can put myself in the seat of those disciples. Like Jesus is gone. Every, they're doubting, they're ruminating. They're like, they're going to find us. We're going to be in prison. It's over for us. What just happened? And then God came in, walked in and spoke life. And sometimes, especially in motherhood, Mm -hmm. I find myself going, okay, Teddy's going to have a rough time in the car. Shepard's going to act out and be terrible. Like I'm already (laughs) writing out the script of this terrible thing that's about to happen. And I've ruined my day before we've started it. Mm -hmm. Has anybody done this with me? Am I alone with these thoughts? Okay. So I already go to the worst case scenario, but sometimes, and I'm going to toot Ryan's horn, but I'm going to try not to toot too hard. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes he speaks life and I don't want to hear it. Sometimes he's speaking, what if it doesn't? He's trying to be the lifter of my head in these moments, and I'm not allowing him to. So I just wanted to challenge us before we get into um, this next point, but you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. Sometimes we're thinking too far in the wrong direction, and God's trying to step in and speak life, but we're not listening. So I struggle with mental health. I've struggled with anxiety, but God's given me freedom over that by saying, hey, I've given you a new thought. I've given a thought of life that you can lift your head and look above and set your eyes on me because I have to tell myself over and over again, God loves my kids more than I love them. Mm -hmm. God has called them to what they're going to be far more than I've thought what they could be. Mm -hmm. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. So in these moments where I'm ruminating and I'm writing the terrible doomsday ending before it happens... I have to choose, like it says here, I have to choose to lead my feelings. I have to choose to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe what you say over than what I think is going to happen. And I'm going to pray miracles and I'm going to pray good things. And I'm going to set my eyes on heaven right now in this situation before I decide on the doom. Woo! You know? Come on, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. I was leaned in. I was ready. And Adrian used this word over and over again called ruminating. Yeah. And if you know where that word comes from, it literally comes from cows. Now, last time I checked, no one says, man, when I think of cows, I really think of you. Like, no one ever wants to hear that, right? Like, that would be the quick ending to a date night very quick. So don't ever say that. But we do that to ourselves when it comes to ruminating. What does it mean? It literally comes from when cows chew cud. Do you know what that means? So like what cud is, it's like the most disgusting thing on earth, okay? So a cow will eat grass or hay, whatever cows eat. They'll chew on it. They'll swallow it. They'll throw it back up and start chewing on it again. No one thinks that's appetizing, but we do that in our mind with ruminating, where we think about that thing that someone has said or that negative thought and that mindset that we have about a victim mentality or someone who's always the world just kicking down, and we think about it, we swallow, we throw it back up, and it just ruminates in here and gets grosser and grosser and worse and worse and more destructive, and it loses, we lose ourselves in it, where God is saying, hey, stop doing that. And start leaning into what I've said about you. Now, are we perfect? 
Absolutely not. Do we get this right all the time? Absolutely not. Now, Adrian was telling me she was talking with some, with some of our team members here, and she was just talking with them about like when things go wrong or when there's a big, uh, a big event coming up, and, and they responded to her with what I usually always say. They said, oh, yeah, I'm sure Ryan's like the, it'll be fine type guy. It'll be all, and I am that guy. Big optimist. <laughs> yeah, I am that guy, and I honestly think that, some, that God is the same way with us. Not in a, dis, uh, when I do that with Adrian, it's not because I'm disconnected or just not being real. I, just, I don't want to waste today's energy on tomorrow's problem. I don't want to waste my today in front of me for something that may not even happen tomorrow. And this idea of that it'll be fine, it'll be okay, is really just rooted in the security that I've grown over these 35 years to find in Jesus. Because I used to be super angry because I was so afraid of everything, so afraid of making a mistake. Now, one of the ways Adrian and I... Uh, get past this and get past the anxiety and, and fear sometimes of parenting and, and marriage and all that is through reels and through memes. And so she sent me one the other day, because again, some of us can think about this idea of like, oh man, I, I got to get this right, or I'm thinking this, but I know a negative thing is going to come right after that. Uh, she sent me this reel the other day, and we'll have the volume up on this video ready to go because it just made me laugh so much. Maybe you can identify with this as a parent. Turn your attention to the screen real quick. It says, thinking about how much I love my son and how he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. <laughs> Come on, Every parents. Where are you at? Come on, yeah. So, so if you didn't see what it says, it says, uh, uh, it said, I, I want, I love my son so much. He's so great. And then it moved to Chris Farley from Tommy Boy. Please let me sleep for the love of God. Go away, right now. I mean, we say that sometimes because we just want to sleep. We just want to get away. But a lot of times we have to remember that that's a part of being human. And we have to begin to change the conversation up here. Here's a quote uh, from Dr. Paul David Tripp. It says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Wow. Right? Like, oh, I was, oh they laughed at wow. that. That was great. Good, we're leaning in. It's awesome. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. We always have a constant conversation going on up here. And the Bible knew that. The authors of the Bible knew that. The Apostle Paul knew that. Now, if anyone had to deal with people coming after him, it was Paul. Because yeah. number one, at one point in his life, he was killing people who followed Jesus. He was throwing them in jail. And then he has a radical experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus is like, Paul, quit doing that. Now you're going to build my church instead of destroy it. And like overnight, he has this amazing transformation. And he begins to dedicate his life to building the church. So then people start to hate him because he's building something that is speaking against the lordship of the Roman Empire and against the power of old religious traditions. So he's got two sides, right? People are saying, isn't this Paul that used to kill us? And other people are saying, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. A lots of anxiety, a lot of victim mindset, a lot of fear. But Paul was so dedicated to the new life that he had, the new power that Jesus had given him, the mission and community that was around him. Here's what he says when he writes the church in Philippi in chapter 4, starting in verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Underline that. This is like the rosebud, the sled thing at the end of Citizen Kane. Sorry if I just ruined that movie for you, but if you haven't seen it by now, it's like 80 years old, so that's your own fault. But the last thing that's said is very important of someone's life. And Paul is writing this as one of the final things he's saying to this church that he helped start. He says this, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Yeah. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. 
everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. What's a victory mindset center on? Not that this emotion or feeling or attribute of peace will be with you, but that the God of peace will be with you. Why do I approach life with victory? Because I know it's not about some emotion or feeling that will go and change. It's because I know that there is an unchanging God with me every day on my side reminding me, hey, Ryan, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus who gave you life when he walked out of that grave alive. Come on, we can be thankful for that today. That's what we're leaning into. That is what's powerful. And we have to protect ourselves. That's why Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true. It's protection to fix ourselves, to fasten ourselves to what is true and lovely and admirable. I'll use a couple examples with our son. The first one is, we were out at the pool at my mom's house yesterday, and we put, as you, as you can tell, with the complexion of mom and dad up here, the sun is not our ally, all right? How dare you? I have a lot of self right, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right just, just me, okay? I'm a redhead, thoroughbred redhead, and so the sun is not my friend, okay? I turn red, the color of my hair, all of the above, and then it peels and it's gross, right? So we have learned to cover Shepherd in some sunscreen. But even we did that yesterday, we must not have used a high enough SPF because he's got like the reddest cheeks. Looks kind of cute, but he's got the reddest cheeks this morning. We got to get like SPF 500 on this guy, all right? But we do that, you don't do that after the sun's been beaten down on you. You do it before because it doesn't do anything afterwards. So for us, that's why the morning time and why Sundays again is the first day of the week. You need this before the sun comes out. You need this before the attack comes. You need the protection before you're going through that difficult season. So when that mindset from your past comes back or that victim of anxiety and depression starts to sneak back into your life, you say, "Uh uh-uh, I fixed my thoughts on what is honorable and pure and good. So you got nothing to say to me because I know what the God of peace says about me. And that's what I'm leaning on because it's unconquered. It's powerful. It's the miracle that's been worked in my life. It's the power that I have. And so the second thing is this, is that I've, I've, I've really kind of stood on this as confidence, and I'll let Adrian share about this in a second after I introduce the next point. But I, I've never, like again, in my adulthood, I'll be honest with you, I have felt things like anxiety. And, I mean, you can't stop what you feel. But I, I've never really surrendered to them or dealt with them for a long period of time. I've really allowed my choices to lead and feelings follow. This is not a look at me kind of thing, but it's a practice that I put in place when I was in high school that hasn't changed for the last 17 years. And I've told you it before. Whatever you put in here is what's gonna come out. We're like a sponge, right? Whatever we place ourselves in and squeeze, whatever we're in, whether it's water, clean, or dirty, that's what's gonna go inside of us. And some of us were trying so hard to fight the outputs of of victimization and fear and stress and all that, but we're never changing the inputs. And so the decision that I've made is that I don't listen, 99% of the music that I listen to is worship. Not just Christian music, because there's some good Christian music out there, but I listen to worship. All hail King Jesus is on repeat every day. Emanating from Yeah, and I sing it, and Adrian's like, can you stop? Okay, I'm like, I'm worshiping. She's like, I know, but I'm just trying to get the kids down, okay? Um, and because why? Because it's in here and it just comes out, right? We're so serious about this. This is, again, I'm going to tell you a story of parenting and leadership to twofold. So we're so serious about this. At Shepherd School, they listen to Kids Bop, all right? Now, it takes out all the profanity and stuff, which is good, because we wouldn't send them to school that didn't do that. Uh, but but it, the theme and the emotional sense is still there. And so Adrienne has told Shepard, she's such a great mom in this, hey, when your teachers play that, tell them you're not allowed to listen to it. 
And so, be, so when they hear it at school, Shepard goes and tells the teacher, hey, I'm not allowed to listen to that song. It's not good for me. He and, says, this is inappropriate for me. Yes. And we just had our, t- our parent-teacher conference a couple days ago, and she literally said, oh, yeah, we've totally changed how we play music for his class because of what he's told us. Can I tell you, when someone says, hey, this isn't good for me and the people around me, I'm making a better decision, it'll be contagious, it'll flow into the other people around you, even at five years old, so you wanna uplift your workplace or your family or your neighborhood, why don't you be the person that says, hey, this is inappropriate for us, we're not gonna do it that way. I know it's, I know it's heavy, it's heavy. We can give it up for that, it's good, it's good, it's good. Now here's how serious we are about it. Shepard will hop in the car after Fridays, which is Kids Bop Day, and he'll start singing, uh, how's that? So, uh, that annoying Taylor Swift song that I don't like. Oh, hi. Like, hi. He goes, I'm the problem. You missed me. Yeah, which and is I'm not like, no, no, Shepard, not in our house, bro. We're, no, that's not how it works. Go, okay? You're not a problem. Yeah, again, you're not a problem. We're not singing about unhealthy breakups and how it's everyone else's fault except for yours. That's right? my own personal opinion of that music. He has a bit of and I'm, I'm not getting religious with you. I'm just telling you, you want to have a victory mindset, do the work. You want to have a victory mindset? Make the choice, all right? Get that ugly stuff out of your life. Get that, again, lack of a better word, toxic stuff out of your life and see how closer to God you feel. Here's why I say that to you. Negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. Mm -hmm. Try it for yourself. Maybe you have. It's never going to work. Proverbs 23.7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Here and here is going to affect your life. Yep. My mom always said, what do you think about, you bring about. And so I remember that growing up. But I really, it's really going into our next point too. But as someone sitting in front of you who has dealt with chronic anxiety my entire life from childhood, I would be three years old on a Sunday afternoon running around unplugging electronics because I thought our house was going to blow up. I was convinced. Like I've dealt with it my entire life. I couldn't sleep over at people's houses. I would wake up in the middle of the night in a panic and need to go home. So I have dealt with this in a chronic way. And the way that I really see it in terms of making that choice, it's far less like putting on your big girl pants and like stepping forward. It is that, but it's so much more surrender than it is anything else. Because sometimes I think when you're in depression, when you're in anxiety, you can't lift your head to save your life. But you can fall into the arms of someone who can. Yes, You can fall into the arms of someone who can carry you to that next place. Yes. And I think of it, I mean, everything's kind of swirling around our parenting and leadership. (laughs) That's our brand. This is here, this is who we are. But I think of it when my older son, he's very passionate. And when he's having big feelings, they are the biggest feelings that have ever been felt. (laughs) It is the Kool-Aid man running through the walls feelings. (laughs) And so sometimes he's wigging out. He's probably hungry, tired, dehydrated, all of the above. He's spiraling like, I don't know, the, the, the daredevils. What do you call them? The ones that run around in the cartoons. Oh, Tasmanian devil. Thank you. The yeah. Tasmanian oh, devil. He's, 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 he's lost all control. Yeah. I'm trying to pick him up and he's slithering out of my arms. His limp body is like laying on the ground in Target, getting five viruses while <laughs> we are working through this. But it comes to a head and he turns a corner at some point in the tantrum and he looks at me and he'll fall into my arms yes. and just start crying. And at that point, I'm able to scoop him up, pick him up and say, it's going to be okay. 
Yes. We're going to get through this. We're going to get out of Target in the name of the Lord. <laughs> but it speaks to me. And sometimes, like, I do this with anxiety and I do this in worry. I am spiraling yes, like a Tasmanian yes. devil. I'm going around. I'm trying to control absolutely everything. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to figure this out. Why are you? I get mad at Ryan because I'm like, why are you making this harder for me? So resentment's coming into the picture, spiraling. And then it'll come to a head. And I'm like, did I pray yet? Hmm. Did I give this to God yet? Have I, have I thought, no, God, if this is too big for you. You can't handle it. My mental health struggle is bigger than the God who created my mind, soul, and spirit. Yeah. And so I get to a point of surrender. And that's why I love in this verse of Philippians when it says, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. The sentence before it said, by putting it into practice, surrender is something you practice. It is not something that's going to happen one time and done. I have had a miraculous experience mm -hmm. with the Lord where he really did free me, but it is a daily practice of surrender. So my choice over my feelings is a choice to surrender this. Yes. To a choice of, I don't have big enough hands to carry this. I don't hold my future. His way, I'll say it again, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher yes, than my amen. ways. So yeah. I'm going to surrender this to him. And that's the choice. And do you mind if I give us our next point? Yeah, go ahead. Our next point here is it's impossible to worry and worship at the same time. Yes. So when I'm spiraling out, it is impossible for me to be like, Lord, I am surrendered to you. I am worshiping you. Your thoughts are higher. I am so squeezed up and tight-fisted, trying to control everything that I can't possibly get to that posture. But worship and surrender, I believe, are the same thing. You're open-handed. Mm -hmm. God, you are so much bigger. You love my kids more than I could possibly love them. You love me more than I could possibly imagine. So I'm just going to let you yes. be God. It's great. You are God. You are God. You are creator. You are almighty. I'm worshiping right now. It's the, it's the open-handedness of surrender is what leads you out of that worry and into worship mm -hmm. and into freedom. That's right. And that's why it says in Psalm 43 uh, that I'm giving you a new song. Whatever you're going through, I got a new song for you that yeah. you can sing over it. He's giving me a new song to sing a hymn of praise to where our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Look at the personal balance of this verse where it says, who has he given a new song? Me. You, individually, he sees what you're going through, and he wants to give, gives you a new song. It, one of the things that Israel did that was different than a lot of the other armies is that they had worshipers in their army. Last time I checked, a guy with an acoustic guitar is not much of a threat, but in the army of God, he is because he's singing to the guy who's actually fighting the battle, and that's the creator of the universe, our heavenly father, God, right? And so he gives us a new song to sing in these instances, in these battles of our life, and then what happens? Many will see what God's done in my life and be amazed, not because of pride, but so I can turn their focus to God. Yeah. To sing, there was nothing I could ever do to get, out this, to get out of this victimization of what people had done to me and said to me. There was nothing I could do to get past this mental fear and health and issues that I was dealing with. But God moved in my life, worked in my life, and what he's done is simply powerful and amazing. And I'm so yeah. thankful to him because of it. I got a new song to sing today. Yeah. Come on, that's good. Yeah. And as we begin to finish up, here's the next phrase to write down. Upward thinking is not a replacement for God. It is a response to him. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving you some sort of self-help Tony Robbins, like, think your best and believe the best, and here's, no. Because I have no power as a human. Mm -hmm. But what do I do? I'm turning my thinking upward. It's not a replacement 
because I am not my Savior, I am not God. It's a response to him. In Psalm 121, this chapter of Psalms is known as the Song of Ascents. And when the people of Israel were traveling up into their homeland, they were literally ascending up the hill to the hometown. And they would say, I don't lift my eyes to even my home, I lift my eyes past the mountains. I lift my eyes as high as I can, because where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What does worship music do? What does prayer time do for you? What does church do you do for you? Causes you to lift your eyes eyes to the heavens and realize, man, my response to God can only be one of like Adrian was talking about, surrender. And God, I've been crying, but I just want to rest in you. I want to totally just go uh, total surrender and abandonment into your arms today. Because I know where that's where my help comes from. It's not a replacement, it's a response. So let me give you three quick things today. I want to speak to you as a pastor and close off. But let me give you some practical. It sounds great, Ryan. What do I do? Well, here are some three practicals for you to start today and tomorrow. Number one is this, gratitude over grumbling. Everybody can grumble. Anybody can moan under their breath. But why don't you start this week every day, blank piece of paper, blank note on your phone, and just start typing out things you're grateful for. God, I'm so, th- so grateful I got breath in my lungs today. I'm so thankful I woke up under a roof. I'm so thankful I woke up in a bed. I'm so thankful I go to the kitchen. There's food in there. I'm so thankful I can go to the grocery store if there's not food in there. I'm so thankful, God, that you're with me today. I'm so thankful for the community I had in church yesterday. See, when you start that way, negativity doesn't really have a place anymore. It pushes it out. No one needs to grumble. It's like, it's this thing called confirmation bias, right? We're probably gonna, we're packing in the family, so we're gonna be on minivan shopping here soon. And I know what's going to happen is we're gonna buy that van and then suddenly we're gonna see that car everywhere. Like, oh man, I thought we had a special one. The thing is we don't have a special one, it's just now we're focused on it. Confirmation bias is when you're focused on negativity, when you're focused on difficult things, that's all you see. But when you select to say, you know what? I wanna see, turn my eyes up. I wanna be grateful. That's all you see. The world needs more grateful people and not grateful to just themselves, but to the Lord. Second thing is, is you pray over pout. This is my thing about the whole victory over victim thing. I'm just not into this whole thing of like, oh, woe is me and and, ah, this and that. And again, I'll be the first to tell you counseling and therapy is so needed, so important for your mental health, but it is a supplement, not the substitute for God, right? Like if you don't ever surrender to the Lord and pray to him and say, God, I cannot do this without you, you will never be fully healed. You'll, it will be dealt with for a day just like a prescription, but it will not be fully healed. It's when the things of this earth that are wise and helpful that are from God begin to build upon the thing that is surrendering your life to Jesus and letting yourself go and surrendering to him that you begin to pray and stop pouting so much. Not pout, oh, look at my life. It's all about what people have done to me. No, no, no. Why don't you start praying about what God has done for you and what God will do for you as you fix your eyes on him. And when that begins to happen in your life, you begin to do number three, which is encourage over complain. The world needs more encouragers, less complainers. And I would encourage you with this. I'll give you two quick things as we close. And one of the things is, I really, if we thought about this idea of negative thoughts, I just, I'm really convicted 
over this next rest of the year just to pastor you into the things of God and just tell you how messed up the things of the world are. Not like, look at everybody out there, they're awful. When I say the world, I mean just the fact that we live in a broken and fallen world. And can I use motherhood as an example for you today, just for a minute? And I, 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 I ran this past Adrian to ask her, is this okay to share? She's like, yeah. And I just hate that the world has convinced people that motherhood is a burden, not a blessing. I hate that the world has convinced women in our culture that that's the, that should come second, third, fourth to everything else. I'm, I'm, not, I'm all about women leading and in the workplace. My wife's sitting here right next to me. But as someone who has witnessed the miracle of motherhood, something that I could never do or experience, it's such a blessing. She has been wired and created to do that. Not just in the biological sense, because I know sometimes we have biological issues that make it impossible, where we're trying and it hasn't been working, but just in the sense that she cares for the women of our church and pastors them. I'm just gonna tell you that when the world says that, oh, be you, well, that's what God created you to do. That's what God wired us to do. And there's no burden about it. There's no negativity about it. It's the most positive, amazing, miracle thing that has ever been witnessed. The fact that God used a mom to bring his son into the world, to bring his son to save us from death and destruction and fear and walk out of that grave again alive. It all started with the beauty and blessing of a motherhood. I will be darned if I let the world tell you any differently about who you are, okay? We're just not gonna do that anymore. Because why? 60% of adults deal with worry and anxiety every single day. 91% of college and high school students deal with it every day. It's not getting better because we've strayed away from the word of God and who he is. And here's what I would encourage you today as we close. That at the end, I've talked a lot about when Jesus came back from the dead, right? Well, when Jesus was going to the cross, two of his followers betrayed him. And one had a victim mindset and one had a victory mindset. You know the story of Peter. He says, Jesus, we'll go to the death for you. And Jesus is like, bro, I'm, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to deny me three times tonight to an adult, another adult, and a little girl. Peter's like, I would never do that. Just tell me, Peter, that's going to happen. And the night before, he was betrayed by his follower Judas, who sold him to the religious leaders and the Roman Empire for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus goes to the cross dies on the cross, stretches out his arm, says, here's how much I love you. And it's in those darkness of those few days that those two people made detrimental or important decisions about their life. Judas's decision was, I'm a victim. Look what I've done. I've betrayed Jesus. I'm the worst. I'm horrible. And it leads him to take his own life. Peter, what I love about Peter is sometimes he's just too stupid to think that deeply. And it's just like, well, I guess I'll just keep showing up. I'll just keep showing up and maybe, maybe Jesus will walk out. Maybe he'll do what he said he was gonna do, but I'm just gonna keep being there. I'm gonna keep showing up. I know I betrayed him. I know I messed up. And when it says, the Bible says that when Jesus showed up in that time in that room when they were all in fear, well, all afraid, he looked at Peter and said, hey, peace, I'm here with you, Peter. I know what you've done, but I love you and I care for you. It's because Peter at some point had decided, where else am I gonna go, Jesus? I only have victory with you and so even when you're dead and it's dark and I don't know what's going to happen I'm going to keep showing up for that moment when resurrection happens and you step back into my life come on local city will we be someone that even in the death and dark places we say Jesus I'm just going to keep showing up would you stand to your feet with me today as we close I'm going to invite the prayer team up 
And moms, we want to bless you today as you leave. we got flowers, t-shirts, all the above. I'm going to invite the prayer team up, and we're just going to close right here. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.